0: And it is Friday. You know what that means, right? Of course, the weekend is right around the corner. But right now, we have another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison.
1: Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you. And today I have for a topic the big L of legalism. And before we get into the quote of the day, or there's two quotes here, actually, uh, the two quotes of the day, I just want to say that uh, this podcast has come out of some recent events with some Christian leaders uh, that have happened, and people have questioned um, their teachings, and I want to look at the difference between uh, wrong teaching or teaching of untruth and the wrong application of actual truth. And I'll develop that a little bit more after Adam gives us our quotes of the day.
0: All right, like you say, we got two of them here. A little bonus today. And first one comes from Sinclair B. Ferguson. They say here, You do not become a master musician by playing just as you please, by imagining that learning the scales is sheer legalism and bondage. No, true freedom in any area of life is the consequence of regular discipline. It is no less true of the life of prayer. Our second quote here comes from Chuck Swindoll. He says, You want to mess up the minds of your children? Here's how guaranteed. Rear them in a legalistic, tight context of external religion where performance is more important than reality. Fake your faith, sneak around, and pretend your spirituality. Train Train your children to do the same and embrace a long list of do's and don'ts publicly, but hypocritically practice them privately, yet never own up to the fact that it's hypocrisy. Act one way, but live another. And you can count on it. Emotional and spiritual damage will occur. All right.
1: Well, the first thing I want to address is the question of what is legalism, because I think that sometimes people get all bent out of shape and say certain things are legalistic, when in fact they're not. So this is this is the legalism as I understand it. Okay. And I do uh, encourage you. Let me just say at the outset to search the scriptures and to see if my uh, conclusions are sound. Don't just assume uh, that because I say this, or because speaking for him stands for this, that that makes it right. Speaking for him, and myself personally, endeavors, to the best of our ability, to uphold a biblical standard that is uncompromising and does not change. But that does not mean that there are no struggles along the way. So... Starting from that vantage point, I just want to say this. To me, legalism is where you have a set standard for how you are living your life. And you think that every single person should live up to that exact standard, or they are somehow subpar or less spiritual than you. And um, let me just give you an example from the scriptures. This is Jesus talking about the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 7-9. He says, Ye hypocrites, well did or Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, the people, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men." Now, the Pharisees were thought they were really good at following the Jewish law. They memorized much of the Old Testament, so they knew the law backwards and forwards. But they also added to the law. Mm-hmm. There's another passage where Jesus says, you, you tell the people that they have to follow your commands, yet you give them a burden that you yourselves aren't even able to bear. So you're telling people to uphold this standard that you yourselves, when it comes right down to it, aren't really um, fulfilling. And there is one particular passage, which I didn't write down here, but in effect it says, it talks about how they, they're talking about how Pharisees care for their, their parents, and they give the money that they're supposed to give to care for their parents to the temple, and then they say it's a gift. And they get away with not caring for their parents correctly, in the name of God. And God has very clear things to say about family responsibilities. So God was not pleased with that. And then another thing that comes to mind is the passage where the Pharisee says, I I tithe once a week of all I possess, and I fast twice a week. And I'm so much better than this publican who is just a sinner. Now, I want to stop here and say... This is a perfect example of legalism over uh, legitimate Christian living. Because I want to stop and say this, that the fasting is not wrong. Jesus tells us instructions for when we fast, so he expects us to fast. The tithing is not wrong. Tithing is a principle that's in Scripture. It's good for us to give to our local churches and to other charities in need. Neither of these activities that the Pharisee brings out in that passage are wrong. What was wrong was his attitude about it. Yeah. The attitude that said, this makes me superior to you because I do these things. See, it's not as much what we do as the spirit in which we do it. That determines the difference between legitimate Christian living and legalism. And as I said earlier, there have been some prominent Christian uh, speakers, ministry leaders that have been ridiculed recently at least in my circles, uh, and it's very easy to get down on them and start saying that nothing they preached is true because they somehow failed at some point in their life. But we need to separate the person from the teaching. Just because a person who espouses a certain teaching fails in certain area of their life does not mean that their teaching is null and void. Because what I see happening out of this um, is, okay, the The response to this is instead of having all these strict standards that these Christian leaders had, we'll just have no standard. We'll just say anything goes and we won't bother about about having a high standard or being different from the world, even though the Bible says that we should come out from among them and be separate. We will just... Um, lay off all our restraints because we felt the yoke of what we were going through when we were subscribing to the teachings of said ministry. And so the next question is, is it wrong to have a standard? The answer to this is, of course, no. The two verses I have for that is, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call unto the Lord out of a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22 And the second verse I have here is 1 Timothy 6.11 which is, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. 1 Timothy 6.11 So, it's not wrong to have a standard. I was telling Adam before we hit record on this episode that one of the standards I have set for myself and my brothers and sisters, some of them did the same, is that they would not kiss um, until their wedding day. Mm -hmm. And as I said to Adam before we started recording, it's not imperative to your salvation or even to your spirituality that you make that standard. I cannot Mm -hmm. tell Adam to have that standard. I cannot tell my listeners to have that standard. What I can say, though, is that That by making that decision, I am deciding to do something that will allow me to forego other temptations. I know of one instance where a young man said, I'm glad I waited until I got married to kiss my wife because once I kissed her, I didn't want to stop. (laughs) And the thing is, kissing is a very physical form of intimacy, which leads to further physical intimacy in a lot of cases. And so for me as a person, I have decided that the best way to avoid something bad happening is to set that standard where I will not kiss until I'm with my bride on my future wedding day. This is just an example. And I, I will speak freely about this. I, I have talked about this, um, on numerous occasions I've written about issues related to this, but I'm not saying that everybody has to do it, but it doesn't make it a bad idea. Right. See, and that's where, that's where I'm finding a problem is that we have these ministry leaders and rather than just continuing, uh, to call them ministry leaders, I'm going to mention, uh, especially Doug Phillips by name. Doug Phillips was the head of Vision Forum, and he uh, stated that he had an inappropriate relationship with one of his staffers, and so he stepped away from his ministry. Sadly, that ministry has closed. I was hoping that there would be other people to keep it open, because it is a good ministry, but it has closed. But one of the things that happened is you had all these bloggers... Coming out of the blogosphere. Saying how legalistic Doug Phillips was. How. How. How his standards. Were totally unbiblical. And how they obviously didn't work. Because he failed. But. What I am encouraging. You to see. Or to think about is that. Just because the person. Who is telling you this truth fails, doesn't make the truth any less true. If the truth comes from the Bible, it is true. There is no way to change it because God's truth doesn't change. So, my encouragement to you is to continue to seek a high standard. And I've said this before, behind the microphone that I want to be held to a high standard. If you see me slipping from the standards that I have talked about on this podcast, please let me know. Please, those who know me closer, you know, slap me upside the head if, if need be, because I do not want to be one of these ministry leaders whose ministry is left in rubble. But that brings me to another point. My ministry is not about me. When, when I was developing the website, and developing my mission statements and vision statements for this ministry, my webmaster asked me, do you want to have a website, com or Andrew Ministries?" And I said, no. I chose speakingforhim.com because my hope is that speaking for him will Outlive me. If God if the Lord tarries and I don't, I want speaking for him to continue. Now at this point, I'm basically a two man ministry, if you include Adam here on the podcast, with with various part timers that have also helped me, so I don't want to to sound like I am gloating or anything. But my goal is to develop a ministry where many people are working together to build the kingdom of God. And then it's not about one person. It's about Him. It's about Jesus Christ. And so I think one thing that happens with these person-centric ministries is we get focused on the person preaching the message instead of the message they're preaching. See, even if the person changes, even if the person fails, the message will never fail. Uh, Do you have any I think to add on that point, Adam,
0: I think you had a great point about talking about how it's just about focusing on on Jesus. It's got to be for him, because if not, it's going to just kind of fall off the track and then you're going to get into other paths and other things. And uh, that's just going to be kind of a recipe for disaster a little bit spiritually. So I definitely think keeping focused on him, for him, with him is crucial. It's key.
1: And so the next question that comes up, what should we do? Galatians five one and then 13 and 14 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think that is really key. We need to live with other people in mind. It says in Philippians chapter 2 that we're to esteem others better than ourselves. And so if there's an area, such as consuming alcohol, or going to certain movies, or whatever the case may be, that is causing one of our brothers to stumble because they have been convicted about it, it's probably a good idea for us not to invite them to go out for a drink or right. not to invite them to go to this this movie, if it's beyond, especially if it's beyond the rating scale that they have committed to staying within uh, to go to a movie, or even if they're convicted not to go to a movie. It's not a good idea to invite them to a movie party. Um, so we need to be thinking about those things. And it's not that they are... We, can't, we shouldn't think about them as being legalistic because that's what happens. We start to say, well, if they don't want to do this and, and they think it's wrong for them to do this, then they're condemning me. Well, you might be under conviction because of their example, but don't mistake that for them directly condemning you. Right. Allow them to live their life before God because our responsibility isn't to pull people away from God. It's to put people in a better place with God. It's to push them. Uh, to exhort one another to good works that's our goal not only as ministry leaders but as anybody that's living the Christian life and so we really need to have that focus that if somebody is convicted against doing a certain activity that we leave it at that and applaud them for sticking to their convictions even if their convictions don't line up with ours now obviously there are you know there are non, optional things like if you don't believe that jesus christ is the son of god and the only way to heaven i'm going to have a long conversation with you because there's no other way jesus said i am the way the truth and the life but he never said how many inches your skirt needs to be you know off the ground or or up on your leg that's not something that he talked about specifically but again, it's not about a particular measurement, to be exact. It's about honoring God and honoring the people around you. And and I think sometimes we we don't get the honoring others around us part. Especially, we say, "Well, that's between me and God, so I'll do whatever I want to do." Essentially, is what we say. Right. What do you? What are your thoughts about honoring one another as we do things?
0: I think that's also crucial because um, you know. When we make a decision to do something, it's dangerous to have the mindset of, well, it's between me and God, it's going to affect me. Because the reality is when we make a decision, it really affects those around us and ourselves. So it's not just a matter of, well, how's this going to affect me or my my relationship with God? It's going to affect others around you too, friends, family. So I I think in honoring God – with your own good choices, you're also going to be honoring others around you because when you make good decisions which have good consequences, that's also going to be good consequences for others. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom, not to keep trailing on, but she always used to use the, I don't know if your mom did too, Andrew, but she always used the pond and rock example. She's like, you know, if you ever throw a pond into the, a pebble into the pond, and you know what happens? You get the little sploosh and then you have the, waves and the, the rings that go off from it. So even though the rock fell right here, those waves go all the way across the pond. So it affects those and everything around it. So um, I think that's crucial. And, and I think
1: also just to paint another picture, you know, when, when you are driving on in the Rockies or in a cliff, in an area where there's a cliff, what do you want to do? You want to stay as far away from the cliff as possible Right. so that you don't accidentally drive over the edge. And and we, myself included, I'm, I'm including myself, but we as Christians tend to have this idea of how close can I get to the world without going over and still call myself a good Christian. And instead what we need to do is say, I don't want to get as close as I can to the world. I want to be different so that, when people look at me, they see a difference, and then they ask. You know, we we had a previous podcast about uh, evangelism, and one of the things we talked about was how, you know, you you need to live a life that's an example to others, and you also need to share the gospel verbally, and how we can't just uh, rely on just living our life. We have to share it. And that is true, but I think part of it is that often we flirt so close to the world that they're not going to look at us and see something different. You know, they, they, they say, well, you can go to the, you can go to this R-rated movie and feel good about it. I can go to this R-rated movie and feel good about it. You can go drink a beer with your friends on Friday night. I can go drink a beer with friends on Friday night. So what's the difference between you and me? And again, I, I don't want a bunch of hate mail saying, you know, you're selling me I can't drink. Right. Because I'm not. You can choose to do that if you wish. But the reality is that there's other things to drink. Number one, number two, there are always people watching you. And number three, you know, just look at it in the context of maybe it's not between good and bad. Maybe it's between better and best. And I think we all would be extra, would do well to exercise ourselves in thinking about what that means. And I know I constantly have to evaluate that for myself as well. That's one of the reasons why we try to bring you some solid entertainment options so that you realize that you can fill up that entertainment vacuum with things that are positive that will give you things um, to jumpstart your faith as opposed to just leave it dormant or, you know, maybe pull it down a peg because we always want to be growing and getting better. Mm -hmm. There's no way to stay in one place. Either you're shrinking Or you're growing. It's like that old children's song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Those are really the only two options. And I think sometimes we think there's a third option, but there really isn't. Alright, so what do we do if Christian leaders fail? This is a very important question because all of us have Christian leaders that we look up to. And there's nothing wrong with that on a certain level. Even the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. But the second part of that phrase is so important when coupled with the first. Because mm-hmm. he didn't say imitate me and stop. Right. And then say, whatever I do, do it. And then you'll be good. You know? No, because he understood that he was a sinner. He even said that he was the chief of sinners. But he said, as far as I imitate Christ... Imitate me. So that that would be one of the first things. Think about leaders who follow Christ, who imitate Christ, and follow them in their imitation of Christ. But the number two thing is, if they do fail, uh, this is also in Galatians, Galatians 6, 1-3, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spirit, spiritual, restore such an one, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Uh, And that's Galatians 6, 1-3. And even in the short period of time, about five years that I've been in ministry, I have seen the devil attack me for what I believe. He wants me to compromise my standards. He's always up in my face when I'm trying to proclaim the truth. So this happens. I know that I'm taking a risk being out in the public eye and, and preaching these things. I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. I ask you to cover me with, with your prayers because I cannot do this on my own. I'm still seeking to form a board of directors for my ministry so that they can help me to stay accountable. I relish accountability because I'm not perfect. I don't do everything the right way. But I do know this, that if somebody is in a place of failure, the thing that you should do is not to totally disregard their ministry, not to say that everything they wrote or said is wrong, not to look for all the holes, but you're supposed to restore them. You're supposed to work with them and help them to get to a place where they can again minister to people. I think we so miss the boat on this because we, we think, well, they messed up. Their ship has sailed. They're done. And the Bible doesn't say that. Peter denied knowing Jesus Christ the night he died. He even cursed and said, I don't know the man. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he met with Peter one-on-one and he said, I forgive you. Because Peter was repentant and God used Peter as one of the most mighty leaders of the early church. So please do not count people out and please pray for your ministry leaders because we can't do it on our own. I think we have the wrong idea with a lot of our ministry models where we have one person at the head and then everybody else is under them and then whether Whether people want to or not, or whether they intend to or not, they get to the point where they are worshiping or at least admiring these leaders more highly than they ought. And so the teacher becomes more important than the teaching, which is ironically what the world does with the creation over the creator. Right. But we as Christians oftentimes will put the teacher above the teaching. And just because a teacher claims to be of God doesn't mean that their teaching is sound. And just because someone's teaching is sound doesn't mean their life will perfectly exemplify the teaching. But we are imperfect. And every teacher, every leader that we deal with in the Christian ministries will be imperfect. So we need to pray for them where there's Where there's error, we need to gently correct them, and we need to help to restore them to a place where they can again minister for the Lord. And we could go into more detail on that, but that's just kind of scratching the surface of what I think we should do as we deal with this issue of legalism, because it is a major deal, and everybody has their own definition of exactly what legalistic is. But in my mind, as I understand the scriptures, The biggest thing with legalism is, are you enforcing a standard on someone else? And are you seeking to earn your salvation by espousing a standard? Because we can't earn our salvation. It's already been done. Jesus hung on a cross 2,000 years ago and died and was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, for our salvation. And when he went up to heaven, it was to intercede on our behalf and to show his wounds to God the Father and show that anyone who had trusted Jesus as their personal Savior to wipe away their sins, that he was standing in the gap as their defense attorney. John said that he writes to us that we not sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So I think as we approach this issue of legalism, uh, we... We need to be careful not to impose our our views on other people. Um, You know, no holds barred. We shouldn't be afraid to share our opinions and our views with an eye toward directing people to the Bible. But we need to be careful that we're not imposing what God has convicted us about onto others. And we need to not be afraid to have a high standard. Uh, You know, I'd rather have a high standard and be ridiculed than to lower my standards and let Satan get a toehold where I know he doesn't belong. So, these are just some assorted thoughts. They may have seemed scrambled. I hope they seemed a little bit organized. But as we deal with the fall of certain ministry leaders, may we always look at what they say Um, by the Bible itself. May we be Bereans. May we search the scriptures. This is something that I constantly tell people to do when I preach. And I should probably say it more on the podcast to search the scriptures. See if the things that I'm saying are biblically sound. And if they are, put them into practice and God will be with you and he will bless you. Uh, And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying you're going to have a Mercedes in your driveway If you trust God, but he always has blessings for those who trust him. So we need to keep that in mind. I hope that you have gleaned something from this podcast. And that you can pass it on to help others in their uh, Christian walk as well. I want to encourage you to look up our podcast on iTunes. To rate it and to review it so that we can get some additional listeners. And I want to thank you for taking this time to listen to this show. This is the Speaking for Him podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gamison. Your executive director is Adam McNutt. We want to encourage you to keep serving the best of masters. Have a great weekend.